Mr. Clerk, may I? Yes. Uh, sorry. Go ahead. May I begin? Mm -hmm. um, I will call to order the January 26th, 2023 uh, meeting of the Palm Desert City Council, successor agency to the Palm Desert Redevelopment Agency and Housing Authority meeting. Um, we are about to adjourn to closed session, so we are open to any public comment on closed session items. Is there anyone attending by Zoom who might need instructions? Madam Mayor, there's no one uh, present in the Zoom room. And I see no one approaching the podium, uh, so we will adjourn to closed session. January 26, 2023, meeting of the City Council's successor agency to the Palm Desert Redevelopment Agency and Housing Authority for Palm Desert. We previously adjourned to closed session. May we please have the roll call? Councilmember Harnick. Here. Councilmember Nastandi. Here. Mayor Pro Tim Quintanilla. Present. Councilmember Truby. Here. Mayor Kelly. Here. All councils present. We will have the Pledge of Allegiance led by Councilmember Nestante, followed by words of inspiration from Councilmember Truby. Please join me as we honor our country and our allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands. One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Okay, thank you for the time, and uh, thank you all for being here tonight. Uh, I would like to read a quote today that actually comes from me, although I think it is actually a variation on a theme that's been repeated over and over throughout history. Uh, good government serves its citizens, bad government serves itself. And while this sentiment may seem self-evident, I think it is important to repeat it aloud from time to time to serve as a reminder of our purpose here. The citizens of Palm Desert have bestowed upon this council and all who work for the city a serious responsibility to guide this community forward with care and deliberation. I hope that they challenge us when necessary, support us when it is appropriate, but above all, I ask the residents of our great city to stay engaged. I can see you are. Thank you. Um, I would also like to ask, or sorry, to take this opportunity to ask for everyone here to join me in a moment of silence for our two fallen Riverside County Sheriff's deputies who lost their lives in the line of duty this past month. Their loss is a stark and sobering reminder that why we live in a dangerous world, that we live in a dangerous world, and that we are fortunate to have brave men and women willing to serve and indeed pay the ultimate sacrifice to keep us safe. These men and women represent the best of us. Uh, so please join me. Thank you. Thank you. Is there a report from closed session? 
uh, direction was given, but no reportable actions were taken. Thank you. Uh, we have no uh, awards, presentations, or appointments. Um, any city manager comments? Thank you, Mayor. I have asked uh, our assistant city manager to update the uh, council and the community on recent changes to our staffing model regarding the HOPE team. So, Chris, I'll turn that over to you. Thank you, Todd. Madam Mayor and Councilor, Chris Escobedo, Assistant City Manager. Uh, could you please get right close to your microphone? Is that better? Yes. yes. All right. Uh, here with a brief update on our partnership with the county and our social services program. So just briefly, in 2020, the city elected to receive funding, $200,000 per year through the Permanent Local Housing Allocation Fund. Those funds have been used to contract with the county uh, for the HOPE team which is for homeless and housing opportunities. So the, the contract with the county was for two positions to provide direct resource and assistance to the unhoused community in Palm Desert. Since that time, the partnership has been successful in serving 378 individuals. However, uh, the county has been having uh, staffing uh, challenges. So the positions that they, we've contracted for had been vacant since for the last six months. And in my recent conversations with the county, they indicated that their hiring challenges still pose a problem, so it would take an additional three to six months to fill the position. So during that time, the city manager and I uh, reviewed the information and determined to uh, bring the position in-house so that we could directly provide those services to the community using the same funding. So we recruited for a, a position, uh, next slide please, and we were very successful in receiving a stellar candidate. Uh, that individual will be starting with the city on February 13th, uh, and he will be providing that direct service that we have been contracting for. In addition, he will be coordinating amongst all the affiliated agencies and very quickly getting to work on the Homelessness Task Force work plan. So with that, we're very happy that we, uh, we know that this is a, a priority for the City Council. We have now secured the resource to begin providing those direct services, and then we're, we're happy to get back to work on, on this item in full force. Thank you. And... Uh, if a, the purpose of the social services coordinator is to connect with homeless individuals, build trust, and based upon that trust to increase the probability that people will receive, will accept services. Uh, so if a resident encounters someone whom they feel would be a good person for the social services coordinator to interact with. Uh, what is the best way uh, for them to supply that information? We have a hotline and we can get that information out. That's the best resource as well as we have the information on our city website and recently we created a new homeless resource brochure that we will be distributing to the community. The hotline would be the best route to start. And the more we can do uh, to make folks aware of that hotline so it's easy to access, the better. Thank you. Any other questions on that? I have a, a quick question. Is our, our um, new coordinator an LCSW or just a subject matter expert with solid background? Uh, the person is an LMFT. And they also performed the same function in the past uh, with, or with Orange County and then currently with the city of Huntington Beach. So similar role and position with the license. Spectacular, thank you. Thank you. 
anything else? No further updates. Thank you. Uh, which brings us to mayor and council member reports or requests for action. Uh, tonight, we will start with Mayor Pro Tem Quintanilla. Thank you, Madam Mayor. I have nothing to request or report at this time. Council Member Truby. Uh, thank you very much, but nothing to request or report at this time. Thank you. Council Member Arnick. Something to report at this time. Uh, are, are we going to talk about these, or was that it? We, we, we provide those to you so that the whole council gets those, but our intent is to get those out in full force to the community. Okay, so this is just what our um, assistant city manager was talking about. It's a homeless resource guide, and it's excellent. And it's given to all of our businesses and anybody who wants one. And this is, um, it's certainly not the solution, but it's part of the solution. Um, I did want to mention... A couple things that I have been doing. Last week I went to CARB, which is the California Air Resources Board, and toured it. And they are the entity who understands the issues with our air quality better than anybody. It was a very eye-opening tour, and I learned a lot about how we can do better in our city and certainly uh, region-wide. And they are an international asset as well as being California's research board. Uh, this week, I was in Washington, D.C. with the Southern California Association of Governments at the NARC conference, which stands for uh, National Area Regional Conference. That's what it is, agency uh, conf regional conference. And um, we did visit with our senator, unfortunately, because of the tragedies that have occurred in California. He was not there, but we did make contact with his staff and four of our congressmen in the region. And there are many of the issues in our area that need to really be dealt with in a regional method. And we talked about our priorities as a region, as Southern California, and that's active transportation and healthy streets. And when they talk about healthy streets, they're talking about the permeable streets, the cooling asphalt, and tree canopies, which all of that was uh, authorized in the IIJA, but the Healthy Streets was given no funds. So we have asked for and urged uh, that funds would be provided for the Healthy Streets program and additional funds for active transportation. Uh, we also talked about the need for planning. All we talk about, we're always in California talking about water, whether it's the drought or now the destruction that's caused recently by us not having the appropriate infrastructure in place. And SCAG, Southern California Association of Governments, is a planning organization. So we have requested funds so that we can do the appropriate water infrastructure planning, which not only helps prevent the destruction we're seeing now, but as we're being tasked with planning more and more housing, we need water for that housing. So it really is looking at these issues, whether it's transportation or housing, in a holistic method. And the other thing, of course, we asked for that we've all experienced during COVID is supply chain issues. And there needs to be planning to make sure that the cargo gets moved from our airports and our ports uh, through our communities and to our communities. And then, of course, everybody's hot topic is housing. So we did ask for more funding for the programs that help us with that housing, the CDBG, which we will be talking about later, and other programs 
uh, that will help us get the housing built that we need during this crisis time for our community members. And I got back last night and I'm tired. Thank you. <laughs> Council Member Nastande. No comments, Mayor, thank you. And <clears throat> just one thing I will feature uh, tomorrow is International Holocaust Remembrance Day. Uh, thankfully, we will have an event right here at Civic Center uh, with broad participation from leaders throughout the valley. Uh, so I hope uh, some of you here will be able to join us at 11 o'clock uh, where I will represent the city. Next is non-agenda public comments. This is the time uh, set aside for the public to address the council about issues that are not on tonight's published agenda for up to three minutes. Speakers may either attend in person or virtually and will give instructions in just a moment uh, for those in the second group. Because the Brown Act does not allow the city council to act on items not listed on the agenda, uh, we won't be able to engage you in full conversation, uh, but we are completely available to do that outside the context of these meetings. Your council is extremely accessible. Uh, so use the website to email, call, or stop by with a message. Uh, but for this evening, uh, we're limited to giving you a brief update or referring matters to staff for follow-up. I do have some cards from speakers who are here to address item 3B, the last item on tonight's agenda. But right now is the time for things not on the agenda. Uh, so we'll start with those in person. But if we do have folks uh, participating virtually who would like uh, to offer public comment, please use the raised hand function at this time so that you can get in the queue. Anything to add, Mr. Clerk? Uh, would you like me to give the full uh, housekeeping remarks? Let's hold that. Okay. Uh, Deborah McCary. Congratulations, um, Council Member Truby, on your election. And of course, of course, we knew that Jan Harnick was going to win. <laughs> She's amazing. Again, congratulations to everybody who won their election. Um, Honorable Mayor, City Council Members, my name is Deborah McGarry. I'm the Public Affairs Manager for Southern California Gas Company. Um, this is probably just about three minutes or just a few seconds over, so I promise to try to get it as close as possible to that. 
uh, we are reaching out to inform our customers that natural gas prices are going to be even higher than usual in January due to several unprecedented factors beyond our control. Customers may see a winter natural gas bill double or even higher compared to the one a year ago. High bills are a result of historically high natural gas prices in the Western United States. SoCal Gas does not set the price for natural gas. Instead, natural gas prices are determined by the national and regional markets. SoCal Gas buys natural gas in those markets on behalf of residents and small business customers. And the cost of buying gas is billed to those customers with no markup, meaning SoCal Gas does not profit from the gas commodity, which is what I'm talking about when it goes up. According to the US Energy Information Administration, a number of factors are contributing to high natural gas commodity prices. They are widespread, normal, widespread below normal temperatures on much of the West Coast, which includes Washington and Oregon, high natural gas demand for heating by customers in these areas that are below normal temperatures, reduced natural gas supply from the West Coast, from Canada and the Rocky Mountains, reduced interstate pipeline capacity to the West Coast because of pipeline maintenance activities in West Texas, and low natural gas storage levels on the West Coast. To help our customers reduce energy bills, we encourage them to lower their temperature three to five degrees of health permits, install proper caulking and weather stripping. This could help to save about 10 to 15% on their heating and cooling. Wash your clothes in cold water. Reduce the temperature of their water heater to 120 degrees. This can save up to 22% on your energy costs, primarily because most of our water heaters are out in the garage, so it's cold. Limit the use of non-essential gas appliances such as pools, spas, and of course, fireplaces. And then for more information, you could go to SoCalGas.com for more information. I also wanted to share that SoCal Gas recently announced that we added an additional $1 million contribution to the Gas Assistance Fund, which is a program that helps our low-income customers pay their natural gas bills. So to learn more, again, go to SoCalGas.com. It's S-O-C-A-L-G-A-S.com backslash assistance. Thank you. And thank you uh, for taking time uh, to share this information on a topic of keen interest. Uh, and congratulations <laughs> to your election to the Lot Quinta Council. Thank you very much. Anyone else present who wishes to offer comment at this time on something which is not on the agenda. Can we get the, that uh, website address on to engage Palm Desert or one of our websites for our community members? Of course. Yes. Great. Thank you. Um, did you wish to speak? Please come forward. Uh, share your name and address as you like. Thank you, Mayor and Council. Um, first of all, I wanted to uh, recognize the uh, Riverside County Sheriff's Department yesterday, our code enforcement people, I mean Wednesday, yeah, our code enforcement people, and all of us that went out there to do the homeless count. It was so professionally done. A lot of um, 
a lot of empathy for the people that were in the streets. We sh a lot of kindness was shown. And also a remarkable knowledge of who they are and they know their names, the deputies do. And it made our job so much easier to make the count. So I just wanted the council to know and those all those that are sitting behind me, what a wonderful city we're living in. My second item is not so happy, the gas. I was gonna bring that up. I have a $100 gas bill, but they charged me $250 on top of that for what I don't know. That's a huge increment jump to make up for what they're not getting or for the additional pricing. I mean, one homeowner, $250? And you times that by how many people are paying? I'm it just doesn't make it believable to me, and I think there needs to be more said about it, and someone to start asking more questions. Thank you. And did you give us your name? My name, I'm sorry, my name is Joe Scarna, and I live in Palm Desert. Terrific, and uh, thank you for your comments. Ms. McGarry is still here, so she might be able to help you get to the bottom of your question. Good. Uh, do we have anyone in the virtual world who has raised their hand? Uh, no, but I do just want to provide the, the, the instructions. If you're joining the meeting by calling in on your phone, please uh, dial star nine to raise your hand. And when called upon, press star six. Otherwise, uh, go ahead and raise your hand. But I see none, Madam Mayor. Thank you. Um, we've arrived at the consent calendar. Are there any items anyone needs to pull? I have none. Since you have the mic. I would like to uh, make a motion to approve the consent calendar as presented. I will second the motion. And are we using automated voting? You were here the first time we used automated voting in the refurbished council chamber. So let's see if it works. Everyone vote and then lock. Uh, Councilmember Trippi, I think you need to hit the lock button. Thank you. Not to worry. Forgetting that is routine. Motion passes five to zero. Thank you. That just proves your experience now, because all of us forget to do that. Uh, item 2A, award a contract to Marks Architects, Inc. in the amount of $1,142,400 for engineering and design services for the Parkview Office Complex, project number 726-17. Mr. Schwartz. Thank you. Uh, good evening, Mayor, members of City Council. Uh, Eric Seha, Director for Economic Development at the City. Uh, this is actually a joint report between the Economic Development Department and the Public Works Department with some of uh, how we now manage many of our city facilities. Uh, economic Development uh, handles leases for many of our buildings and our Public Works Facilities team um, manages some of the operations, repair, um, and other items at the buildings themselves. So this is actually a joint report between both of us. Excellent. Um, See how close I am to the microphone? <laughs> I'm trying. 
All right. Um, if we can get the next slide, please. So this is in regards to the Parkview office complex uh, here at Civic Center. Uh, these buildings are located just east of where we're at here in the council chamber. Uh, they're shown there on the slide uh, with the highlighted parking lot in red. This includes a two-story multi-tenant building uh, to the north, and then uh, to the south is the state building, which is a single-story building occupied by two state departments. Next slide. And this is just a picture from the parking lot of that complex. We want to provide you some background on this because this has been kind of an ongoing discussion between staff and the city council. Um, the building itself, uh, both buildings were built in the early 90s. There really hasn't been much improvement or an assessment on needs for the building uh, in the past 30 years. In 2018, uh, staff has was working with an architect to come in and look at uh, re, uh, doing a facade change to that building. In that time, the scope had actually increased beyond just providing a facade improvement. There were we identified that there was needs for improvements for ADA, uh, for new office or other office improvements and other improvements to the building. That council had actually directed staff to go back out and issue a different RFP uh, request for proposals. Uh, that did not uh, occur, and in that time, we've been working uh, with those tenants and at our staffing level to provide uh, new tenant engagement, new leases for the building, and now to issue a new RFP, which was done in September. That's kind of the background of how we got to this point, and now I'd like to turn it over to uh, our public works team. Okay. Honorable Mayor, members of the City Council. <laughs> uh, Kevin Swartz, Management Analyst, Public Works Department. As Eric mentioned, we sent out a re uh, RFP. We did receive one proposal. As part of OpenGov, they do track, though. We did receive 367 views, 44 downloads. Uh, we did create an internal review committee made up of Public Works staff members and economic develop staff. We also contacted references. The references stated that they were very professional, schedule-oriented. Uh, one of them still uses them today for various projects. Since we did receive the one proposal and we didn't have anything to compare it to, we did contract or commission with HR Green to do a financial review. As part of that analysis, they did a cost effectiveness. They looked at the cost per, per labor, the level of task, the hours of operation, I mean hours of rates, and the expertise. Uh, Mark's Architects did sharpen their pencil and they did reduce their fee to about $236,000. Uh, we did go back to H.R. Green, who stated that the current fee that's being proposed today is within the industry standard. So just briefly on the project, it's a pretty comprehensive project. It starts with data collection all the way to building, bidding and construction. Uh, as part of the data collection, there will be building assessment that has to be done on the building. Again, these buildings are from the 1991-92. So part of that would be some hazardous materials to look for mold, uh, ADA compliance, Title 24, energy efficiency, looking at the AC units. I'd also include tenant surveys, meeting with the tenants, and then meeting with stakeholders. Since this includes exterior modifications, uh, the consultant will put together some renderings of the exterior, and we are recommending to work with the economic subcommittee. Uh, after all of this, we will come back to the city council with a presentation and a cost estimate and, and recommendations. Uh, this also does include two tenant improvements for the Water Quality Board and the uh, Food and Agriculture. So this is funded. Um, the fund's about just shy of 1.5 million. 
were included in the CIP for the fiscal analysis 2022-2023. Uh, as I mentioned, when we do come back for any construction moving forward, we will ask um, for a recommendation, and at that time you would have to appropriate it, but for this project, the funds are available. I'm just concluding, this is a long recommendation, so I won't read them all, but the important one is to award the contract to Marks Architects in the amount of $1,142,400. We do have a representative if you do have any questions. Are there any questions of staff? Mr. Truby? Yeah, just want to make it clear, this money, $1.1 is already set aside and has been collected from previous renters or rent income on the building, is that right? Or I guess that's more for that's the correct. financial side, sorry. Okay. Correct. Perfect. Thank you. Any other questions? Uh, yeah, I have a yes. question. Thank you. Um, good work with the HR, HR Green Consulting, by the way. That worked out nicely. Uh, we talk about ADA compliance. Currently, we have restrooms on the bottom floor. Are we, are, have we kind of provided the guidelines that we need more restrooms in that building? That could be part of the analysis. Definitely looking at the existing restrooms will be part of it. Okay. Um, and then I have a question, and I saw it said sidewalks and paths of travel, uh, but it also said general design engineering. I just want to make sure, because the landscaping that we have there is, is old, and it looks old, and I'm wondering, is that our, you know, Randy and his team doing, freshening that up and removing the old and... Or is that part of this, or are we just going to take that on separately after? The landscaping is not part of this. It's only the building, but we will look at that. Thank you. That's all. Discussion. Well, it's long overdue and much needed. And I'm glad to know we have the funds for it and that we are saving an extra 200 and some odd thousand dollars. That sounded a lot like a motion. Madam Mayor, uh, we got to check for public comment. We certainly oh. do. Uh, any public comment on this item? Thank you. Now, I make I a motion to award the contract to Marks Architects, Inc in the amount of $1,142,400 for architectural design and structural engineering services for the Parkview office complex. Do I need to read all the bullet points? No, no. you just need to move staff's recommendation. I move staff's recommendation. I second the recommendation. All right, let's vote. Motion passes five to zero. And if I could, uh, Mr. Luther, if you are here, uh, please see me. Item 2B, award a contract for the North Sphere Fire Station Design and Building Assessment of Fire Station 33 and 71 to PBKR Architects in the amount of $674,000. Project number is 762-23. And for the public, we did have a study session earlier today. 
about the need for this fire station. Uh, so you can find the video of that session on the website if you are interested. May we have the staff report? Waiting on the slides. Honorable Mayor, members of the City Council, I'm Randy Bowman with the Department of Public Works here tonight uh, to present the, the staff report. I'd like to acknowledge our project manager, Lucero Leva, who uh, is our newest project manager, will be running this project. Um, I'm going to run through a very uh, quick number of uh, slides here about the, the project that is covered in the staff report. Uh, we're going to give a recap of a study that brought us here, some development activity and fire uh, activity, and I'll be assisted by Chief, there he is, by Chief Beverlin, uh, and then we'll talk about the project scope, schedule, budget, and there's just a couple of, couple of nuggets about the, uh, 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 the staff report itself. So uh, in 2021, uh, the city hired a Matrix uh, Consulting Group to conduct a, a study of fire uh, services, and they recommended uh, to the city council uh, just under a year ago uh, to uh, construct a fourth fire station near the intersection of Gerald Ford Drive and Frank Sinatra Drive. Uh, and I'll ask uh, Chief Beverlin if he would uh, talk about uh, some of those findings. Nice to see you, uh, Mayor and Council, and everybody in the chamber. Uh, so uh, the matrix study basically looked at some of the challenges that the fire service is having in delivering on some of the nationally recognized standards for uh, responses in fires and uh, medical aids. And increasing response time is probably the most important one out of there. Um, ability uh, for fire department resources basically is talking about in the matrix report where uh, we have uh, multiple incidents going on in the city at the same time, and there's not enough resources to be able to continue to serve the public as we think they should be served. So um, that also uh, r makes us rely a little bit more on mutual aid from the outside the area resources, such as uh, Rancho Mirage Indian Wells and the uh, unincorporated county area. So those are the major challenges that the matrix report reported. And uh, on top of that, uh, anticipated growth in the city and particularly in the North Spear um, are one of those components. And uh, Randy's going to talk a little bit more about that. Thank you, Chief. Uh, the slide up on the screen uh, shows both existing uh, uh, development, commercial and residential. Those are the yellowish colors. And then the green, red, and blue uh, represent uh, sites in the North Sphere that are in some form of development activity, either approved and in construction, or approved but yet permits have not been issued or under review by, by the city. Uh, the numbers speak for themselves, 22% increase expected in uh, commercial development uh, of, of development that's in the pipeline, as well as a 300 plus increase uh, percent increase uh, in residential dwelling units in this area. So the site uh, uh, that is proposed for the fourth fire station is located on Gerald Ford Drive north of, of uh, Frank Sinatra Drive. Uh, the city has owned the site. It's approximately two and a half acres in size. Uh, the city has owned that uh, parcel since 2014. Uh, the site is located within the service boundary for Imperial Irrigation District uh, for electric service. And uh, over the last several months, the city learned that uh, IID, as they're known, 
uh, has a very serious capacity issue. And as we were doing our due diligence as part of prepping for advertising this RFP, request for proposal for design, uh, we learned that of this capacity issue and after several dialogues with IID, uh, we uh, received approval uh, uh, that they would serve the fire station site with a requirement uh, that solar be provided with the fire station development. So that is proposed to be part of this scope. So the pending design contract that's before you tonight uh, would design a three apparatus bay uh, fire station with dorms for 12 individuals. Uh, uh, over 9,700 square foot construction, uh, and it would be built to accommodate future expansion uh, of, the, of the building as development continues to increase in the north sphere of, of the city. Uh, in addition, uh, we have two existing fire stations that we need to assess their condition uh, and uh, ultimately make recommendations for improvements uh, for those existing buildings at fire stations 33 and 71. Uh, to build a, a project, you need a designer, you need a contractor, and we need a construction manager. So uh, we are uh, uh, all presently reviewing proposals uh, for construction managers for this project, uh, and uh, we expect to bring a contract award to City Council uh, very soon. In addition to the site improvements and the building improvements to build the fire station, uh, the city will need to build some off-site improvements. And this would include the widening of Gerald Ford Drive to two lanes, and a south, I call it a southbound direction, maybe it's eastbound direction, uh, and uh, including a traffic signal at the entrance to the fire station. And the, the fire station site, the access is being coordinated uh, with access points that are already, have already been reviewed and approved by the city for say, the Spanish walk development that is uh, across Gerald Ford from the site. The graphic on the screen represents a concept, uh, a template or prototype of a, uh, a fire station. Uh, fire stations are being built throughout the county uh, and uh, our advisors uh, uh, suggested this prototypical layout uh, so that we can get good uh, design uh, quotes and, and construction management quotes. Uh, the tan color represents three apparatus bays and the orange, the yellow, and the bluish colors uh, represent staff areas for dorms, uh, kitchens, uh, and workout rooms, et cetera. The grayed out areas on the periphery of the fire station represent potential future expansion as the city uh, continues to expand and, and the, the, the need for additional fire apparatus and staffing will, will be accommodated uh, uh, in the future. Let's talk about schedule uh, for a project of this complexity. Uh, it will take approximately 12 months to design, uh, and then we will advertise bids, and it'll take a little over a year to actually build, uh, build the improvements. So uh, we are projecting a schedule that uh, has uh, the building occupied in uh, around mid-2025. Uh, 20, 20, so highlights of that schedule include, of course, tonight we're before you for a design contract award. We'll be bringing a construction management contract award to you soon, uh, and then following up with uh, a recommended award of uh, a design contract for the offsite improvements. Uh, we expect to bid construction about a year from now <clears throat> and uh, complete construction uh, in the fall of 2025. So let's talk about money. 
Um, the, uh, uh, the, the project is proposed to be funded by several funding sources. Uh, we've coordinated with our uh, Department of Finance. Uh, they're primarily bond funds. There is uh, an arena contribution. Uh, these are, this is the table on the left-hand side. Uh, the County of Riverside and the city's fire, restor, fire facilities restoration fund. On the right-hand side are the uh, uh, anticipated expenditures of those funds, including the design contract before you tonight, and then uh, estimates uh, for the construction, um, for the construction management soft costs, which are like permits and, and, and things that are not masonry, uh, and then furniture, fixtures, and equipment, as well as the offsite improvements. So total budget for the project right now is conceived to be approximately 23.4 million. Uh, these numbers will be, of course, uh, um, sharpened as the project proceeds along the way. I have to refer to my staff report. So uh, the city advertised a request for a proposal uh, for the design. Uh, we received uh, seven uh, proposals. Uh, we had a an extensive team of city staff members and CAL FIRE representatives review the proposals and we are recommending tonight uh, to award the design contract to uh, PBK Architects. Happy to answer any questions. And let's see if there are any council questions before I invite public comment. Yes, Mayor Pro Tem. Um, question, where we see furniture, fixtures, and equipment, does that include the cost of the fire engines and support vehicles? That does not include the cost of the fire engines. That's for furniture, beds, chairs, tables, uh, fixtures, that, that could be those other things that support that. That's what I figured. So where do we see the cost of the fire engines if we're anticipating three? I'll ask uh, help from the Director of Finance. So as we noted in there, the um, County of Riverside would have their um, ladder truck that would be housed there at Station 102. Um, but any additional cost for like medic or um, the additional trucks that we have there is typically part of our um, equipment account. So it is a separate funding source and we would have to fund that. Thank you. And my other question is, we know that we will be required to have solar, which is a wonderful sustainability measure. Are there going to be additional requirements or incentives to keep this as green as possible so that we can save on gas, for example, and, and other features? Well, certainly installing the solar uh, uh, is, is a big element of that. Uh, I think the, the, the ability to, uh, as the building is used and in future years, to expand for electric vehicle charging. Uh, but that's something we're going to have to uh, coordinate carefully with IID. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, Council Member Drupi. I do. Excellent presentation, Randy, as always. Appreciate that. Um, just so we understand, um, this may be a question the public's thinking of, um, it's going to sit on the south end of Gerald Ford, so we're going to have some uh, infrastructure improvements there as well. Is that right? And probably two new traffic lights, one for the station itself and one for a proposed, I think, housing complex across the street. Is that correct? Uh, uh, there's presently not a traffic signal proposed for the, I, you may be referring to the Spanish Walk development. That's an unsignalized intersection. Yeah, I might be mixed up on, yeah. I'm going to get, okay. Okay, but at least road widening and one new traffic light, is that yes, right? Yes, sir, okay. at the entrance to the fire station. Uh, any public comment on this item? 
I'm not in the Zoom room, Madam Mayor. Thank you. As I mentioned, the council had a full opportunity to study this issue earlier discussion. Or a motion. I motion to approve this excellent staff recommendation and very thorough proposal for public safety. Who would like the privilege I of seconding? Will, I'll be happy to second. Please vote. Motion passes five to zero. Item 2C, approve professional services agreement in the amount of $227,000 with Press Fuchsic Greenwood Architects PVGA for work related to Discover Palm Desert, a new visitor services center located at Palm Desert Civic Center. And you can tell members of the public that we've had a few projects in the pipeline for a while. Uh, so they're all progressing this evening. Ms. Maker. Uh, good evening, Honorable Mayor and distinguished council members. My name is Vanessa Mager, and I am a management analyst in the Economic Development Department. Before you is a request for approval of professional services agreement in the amount of $227,000 with Predvusic Greenwood Architects for work related to Discover Palm Desert, a new visitor services center located here in Palm Desert Civic Center. On October 28, 2021, City Council approved an agreement with our, for architectural services, which included design and entitlement, construction drawings, bidding assistance, and construction observation. The agreement was aggressively set for a one-year period with no option to renew. While the design and the entitlement package were completed during the contract, the full entitlement process, public hearings, construction documents, bidding assistance, and the construction observation were not completed within the term, and additional scopes were added. In order to proceed with the project, a new contract is needed. The new contract will cover the more complex design approved by City Council at the May 26, 2022 study session. Which, as a reminder, and these are preliminary designs only. The entitlement review on these has not been completed, um, so just preliminary drawings at the moment. Uh, but these drawings were presented to Council. What we're asking is Prosvic PVG Architects anticipates this being a more complex building design which will require an increase in the cost of bidding assistance and additional needs for submittal reviews. Most of all, it will greatly increase the review process of the steel shop drawings. Um, I would like to make note that there is a typo in the staff report that you saw. Um, it stated there was an estimated um, total of the new building increasing from 1.6 to 6.5. It is actually 1.5 to, th to 3.5 million, as that is the new estimated cost. Uh, here, this was also included, this table in your staff report um, that breaks down what the current budget is. So $3 million was set aside for this project. We have exhausted $38,777 from the uh, first contract that has expired. This new contract is $227,000. We're asking for an amendment to set aside $22,700 for charges that may be incurred that are not foreseen at the moment. Um, the balance remaining is going to be 
$2,711,530. There's going to be an additional of $788,470 needed to come from the general fund reserve. Staff will also be looking at additional grants to assist with covering this um, total here. So staff is requesting to enter into a new contract with Presbyterian Greenwood Architects to complete the outstanding items outlined in the original agreement and to reestablish the contract for the project. A uh, representative from Presbyterian Greenwood Architects and staff are here to answer any questions you might have. Questions? Councilmember Truby. Sorry, I don't want to, I'm fresh and new here. I got to get up to speed. But anyway, I know when we looked over some of the financial figures, um, like estimated costs for building the fire station, for example, in the fine print, it, uh, there were built in uh, some allotments for inflation, like 12%, and uh, some other figures were already baked into the, the estimates. Is the same happening here, where you're kind of already figuring? Because you know how construction, construction costs often go up as the project you know, reaches a longer horizon. So you're building in some of the same figures. Well, and I will say I am fairly new to this project as well, Mr. Truby, so I'm going to defer to uh, Eric Seha, the Director of Economic Development. Yeah, this doesn't have um, kind of the escalators for uh, cost of the adjustments that are needed, um, but it's already baked into their pricing with this proposal. In other words, the developers already figured that on yes. this. Okay. And, we're, and we're relatively far along enough in this process that the construction drawings and the entitlement process are already underway. Uh, the fire station uh, still has to go through all of these processes. So there's just more of a multi-year. We're hoping to get through this process this year. Perfect. Thank you very much. Any public comment on this item? No comment in the Zoom room. Thank you. Uh, discussion or motion? Welcome at this time. I, if I may, this, is, this has been a long time in the making, and it has certainly evolved into a really important piece of architecture and asset to our community and for the whole region when they come to visit here. It's exciting. I'm happy to see it. And I would like to... Uh, Make a motion to approve staff's recommendation as presented. I will second the motion. Please vote. Motion passes five to zero. Item, item 2D, request for direction on a work plan for the disposition of properties identified in the city's central inventory of the Surplus Land Act. Ms. Glickman. Good evening, Honorable Mayor and City Council. I'm Deborah Glickman. I'm a management analyst with the Economic Development Department. The item before you is a follow-up to the December 15th, 2022 staff report on the central inventory work plan. This report is intended as an update to the work that's been done since December, as well as a confirmation that the direction we're going is the direction the city council would like us to go. So I have a brief PowerPoint, there it is, um, on where we are. But you see in front of you is an overview of the city's central inventory. The central inventory is put together every year as part of a state mandate my first time using the clicker, um, put together as part of a state mandate. It needs to be completed by December 31st of each year. 
all the central inventory does is really advertise what surplus properties the city and the successor agency to the redevelopment agency, SARDA, have, have available or could potentially become available. Properties can be retained for government use, and properties can also be sold off through a very specific Surplus Land Act process. Many of you may be familiar with the process, but this is a refresher. For the Surplus Land Act sales, a notice of availability needs to be issued. There is a 60-day response period, and then a 90-day mandated negotiation period. Unless no viable candidates have come forward during the 60 days, then the property can be sold on the open market. If negotiations end after the 90 days and there are no viable property, uh, no viable applicants, then again the property can be sold on the open market. There we go. So where are we today? We have already gone through most of the notice of availability process for the Mountain View home. That is, um, we've already done the notice of availability. We are just about at the end of the negotiation period and have some viable candidates. Staff will be returning to you soon with a proposal for a purchaser for that property. This will be really the first project, at least I've finished through this process and really that the city has gone through. Other parcels that we've already started the process with are Alessandro Alley properties. These will all be sold as one unit, and the City Council has already given approval to go to notice of availability. I anticipate that notice will be out next week. The other properties we have are also in process. The City Council has approved to go to the notice of availability are, is the Wallaroo property. It's actually two parcels, but really comes together as one property. That will be going to notice of availability about a week after the Alessandro Alley properties so that we can have some space in between, but we're ready to go with that one. The next project up that staff is looking at are the Jocelyn Center properties. These have not become before City Council for approval to go to notice of availability. Staff will come back if the City Council is amiable to it. Staff will come back at a later meeting very soon to bring back approval of the notice of availability and a resolution that has to be approved for the process. Here's a picture of the property. Ideally, this property could be used for housing as well as an expansion of the Jocelyn Senior Center. After that, after we go through that process, it's gonna take us well into 2023. The other properties that are available are Desert Willow, there are three pads left there after the sale of two of the pads for the Desert Surf Project. The Fred Waring and San Pablo property that's just across the street from here. And then other properties at Alessandro, I'm sorry, Entrada, um, Ocotillo, Portola, and Haystack. Again, some of these properties we may look at retaining for government use. Staff is looking over all of the properties now and we'll make recommendations accordingly at future meetings. So for right now, we're looking for any feedback that you may have. Thank you. Um, we previously approved the work plan, so do I understand correctly, tonight is just an opportunity for confirmation uh, from the council that we wish for you to stay the course or to suggest any changes? This is confirmation that you'd wish for us to stay the course. The Jocelyn Center properties were not really involved as a higher level property when we brought the central uh, 
central inventory to you before, so that's really the new property. We want to continue to know that we have confirmation from city council as well as looking to the other properties at a later date. And that the Jocelyn property was subject to a request for action I made because the Jocelyn has heard uh, from viable uh, potential partners for housing development. Yes, and staff has ensured that those developers are actually on the state list. <clears throat> Excuse me, there's a state database that developers can register with, and so staff has ensured to direct everyone there so when the notice comes out, they will be directly notified. Thank you. Other questions? Uh, yeah, excellent presentation. Thank you, Ms. Um, Glickman. Um, is there a reason why the, the Alessandro properties are being sold as one unit, all five parcels? versus individually. I see Eric reaching for his microphone. I will allow him to answer that. Yeah, um, when we looked at these properties, because many of them are adjoining uh, one another, we felt it was better to aggregate them as a single sale in hopes that we can entice um, a stronger developer that can come in and, and do a, a different type of housing that can maybe support some of the retail and commercial area adjacent to it. Thank you, and one other, actually I wanna check with the city attorney if I have a conflict of interest on the Wallaroo property. Yeah, I understand those properties are located close to your business, is that correct? Right. Um, given the nature of the decision that's before you tonight, I don't see a conflict because I don't see it having any impact on, on that particular interest. Uh, later on, if somebody comes back with a development proposal on that property, then we'll have to reevaluate that. Perfect, thank you. Any public comment on this item? No public comment in the Zoom room. Thank you. Um, I think the exchange I had with Ms. Glickman spoke to addition of the Jocelyn Center adjacent properties on this list. Is there any other uh, feedback Council wishes to give at this time, uh, or would it be appropriate simply to pass a motion confirming our approval of the work plan? I move to stay the course. I will second that. Please vote. Motion passes five to zero. Thank you. Uh, we have two public hearing items. It's my intention to take up the first and then to have a brief 10-minute break uh, before we move to the second public hearing. Uh, council received a submission from the appellant on 3B just before uh, we commence the meeting. So we'll take a 10-minute break. Uh, to make sure everyone has a chance to read that. Uh, so the first public hearing is for approval of amendment number two to the 2020 annual action plan community development block grant. We'll receive uh, the staff report and then I will open the public hearing. 
Thank you and good evening, Honorable Mayor, members of the City Council, Sean Muir, Senior Management Analyst in Public Works. Uh, the purpose of the staff report that you have before you is to conduct a public hearing and amend the 2020 Annual Action Plan for the Community Development Block Grant. Uh, this grant had set aside $142,490 for sidewalk improvements at the Palma Village neighborhood. Uh, the amendment that is proposed would reallocate that funding to park improvements at the Palma Village Park. And I'm happy to answer any questions that you have. I've worked with um, Maria Gallegos from Michael Baker International, and she's available on Zoom should you have any questions. Thank you. Questions? Let me open the public hearing ever so gently. Uh, is there any public testimony? No public comment in the Zoom room? Then I will close the public hearing. Uh, I hated to see the sidewalks go, uh, because that's such a wonderful amenity. Uh, but it appears from the staff report that the neighborhood is eager uh, to see those funds deployed in the park improvements. So I'll look forward to tackling the sidewalks some other time. Other comments? I'd like to make a quick one. Please. And this was exactly the CDBG grants, or CDB grants, are exactly what we were talking about with our uh, congressional representatives, that we would like more funds and to keep those strong so that we can do the sidewalks and the park and first time home ownership and all sorts of other things. But this is important and I appreciate what you're saying and hopefully we'll get to those sidewalks later. But the sidewalk needs, uh, the park needs a little modernizing, so that's great. Thank you. Mayor Pro Tem. Thank you, Madam Mayor, and thank you to staff for, for clarifying all of that. And I, I think it's a, a great project because it spurs the sense of community by having gathering spaces and, and barbecues and the kind of family activity and social gatherings. So thank you very much. I appreciate you. Yes, thank you to everyone. Uh, who facilitated the public engagement on this issue and to members of the public who participated. Uh, that should help assure that this really lovely neighborhood park really does serve those who live close by. So thank you. Is there a motion? I motion to advance staff recommendation. I will second that. Please vote. Motion passes five to zero. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we will be in recess for 10 minutes. of a decision of the Planning Commission adopting a mitigated negative declaration pursuant to the State of California 
Environmental Quality Act, CEQA, approving a precise plan and conditional use permit for a 394 unit multifamily project development on an 18.31 acre site located at the southwest corner of Frank Sinatra Drive and Portola Avenue. Um, I will, given the nature of this case as an appeal, I will begin by opening the pub public hearing and then invite the staff report. So the public hearing is open. Thank you, Honorable Mayor and members of the City Council. This is Nick Maloney with the um, Development Services Department Planning Division. As you've stated, the item before you is a request to hear an appeal of a Planning Commission decision. The project is located at the southwest corner of Frank Sinatra Drive and Portola Avenue, as shown on the screen before you. This is located near the city's northern sphere and the project site is zoned planned residential 22 units per acre with a general plan land use designation of town center neighborhood, which allows up to 40 dwelling units per acre. As you can see on the screen, the site is currently vacant with existing perimeter improvements and the surrounding land use mix uh, consists of primarily uh, residential area. Uh, the area to the north is a single family single-story residential area. The area directly to the east is the retreat res residential development, which is uh, two-story residential condominiums. The area to the direct west is the former Santa Rosa Golf Course, which is zoned for residential uses and is a, a vacant area. Uh, beyond that, we have uh, Palm Desert Greens, which is a uh, mobile home community. In general, the project description is a request by the applicant, Hayes Dietrich LLC, for the development of a 394-unit apartment development comprised of 13 three-story buildings with a combination of 816 surface and underground and covered parking spaces. Additional site improvements include site lighting, uh, open space amenities, two clubhouse buildings, as well as uh, access to the site. Uh, the entitlement package also included a conditional use permit, an environmental assessment for which a mitigated negative declaration was prepared. The project was approved by the Planning Commission on December 6th uh, under resolution number 2826, which approved the project subject to findings and conditions of approval. And uh, in a review and approval of the project, the Planning Commission found that the proposal complies with all applicable development standards, which are summarized here on the screen before you, as it complies with uh, the zoning density, on-site parking, minimum open space, maximum height, as well as setback requirements for the applicable Plan Residential 22 zone. This is a site plan that was uh, prepared for the project, which shows the landscaping and the distribution of the buildings through the site. And these are renderings showing the project architecture that was approved by the Planning Commission. This is a view looking south from Frank Sinatra Drive, some additional views along Portola, 
Um, and, and I'll go uh, with a brief overview of the CEQA process, summarized in five easy steps. So the first step is the determination if an action is a project that is subject to CEQA. This project was determined to be subject to CEQA. Step two is to determine if the project is exempt from further CEQA action, and the project was found to be non-exempt. At that point, uh, step three is the preparation of an initial study to assess environmental factors, which includes 21 factors that are standardized through uh, the CEQA review process. An initial study was prepared for the project with technical studies prepared for traffic biological assessment, uh, geological and hydrology uh, reviews. Step four is to determine if a project has no significant impacts on the environment, then uh, it would require the preparation of a negative declaration or mitigated negative declaration. Uh, the project was determined to have no significant impact on the environment subject to uh, mitigation measures and conditions which were incorporated into the project approval and therefore a mitigated negative declaration was prepared. Step five is if there are significant and unmitigatable um, impacts on the environment that an environmental impact report be prepared. However, since there was no significant uh, impacts as uh, demonstrated by the technical analysis and substantial evidence for the record, no EIR was prepared for the project. Uh, this is an overview of the 21 environmental factors that are uh, analyzed uh, on a standard basis for a CEQA. These are set by a, in a Appendix G of the CEQA guidelines. Um, the highlighted areas are factors for which uh, technical analysis was prepared. And uh, uh, through the analysis, it was determined that uh, mitigation measures could be adopted as a part of a mitigation monitoring and reporting program for biological and paleontological um, impacts. Uh, the traffic analysis found that there would be no significant impacts uh, on the environment as well as uh, the hydrology analysis. And there are no uh, significant impacts as summarized by the initial study. Uh, moving on to the overview of the timeline. So the project was approved by the Planning Commission on December 6th. A notice of determination was filed with the County of Riverside pursuant to the requirements of CEQA. It's a procedural action on December 8th that sets forth uh, a statute of limitation for court action uh, for uh, 30 days, which has uh, completed and elapsed. On December 21st, the city clerk's office received uh, the filing of a request for appeal and fee from the uh, project appellant. And then on uh, December 28th, city staff provided a letter to the applicant, or sorry, the appellant, which uh, requested additional substantial evidence which supports the reason for the appeal. Uh, as of January 11th, the, the city staff, we had not received substantial uh, evidence. However, uh, today we have received a new letter uh, from, from the appellant, which has been entered into the record, which staff will 
respond to as a part of uh, this presentation. Just a brief overview of the appeals procedure, which is uh, set forth by Palm Desert Municipal Code Section 2560. Uh, this applies to all uh, land use actions. Uh, first, just setting uh, the stage that the city council is the appeal authority for any action or decision by the planning commission. And that is why this item is being brought to you here tonight. Um, upon uh, the date of any action by the planning commission, there is a 15-day appeal period uh, for which the city can receive uh, an appeal. And so we received a timely filing of that appeal. Um, all appeals must state the specific grounds for the, the reason for the appeal. And then just uh, as a last note, upon receiving uh, a request for appeal, the city has 40 days to file a public hearing, um, which is also why it's here tonight. So we have uh, satisfied that requirement as well, as summarized on the table there. Uh, just briefly, this is the uh, reason for the appeal as filed by the uh, project appellant. The uh, appellant states in, in general that the action is uh, not in compliance with CEQA and that substantial evidence for the record argues or supports an argument that uh, an environmental impact report should have been prepared for the project. Um, the applicant has filed a letter um, but staff finds that the letter does not provide any additional substantial evidence that an environmental impact report should have been prepared and that the uh, existing analysis that was prepared under the initial study for the, that supports the mitigated negative declaration is uh, adequate. Uh, again, the uh, initial study evaluated the 21 factors and found that there would be no significant impact. So the mitigated uh, the mitigation monitoring and reporting program was adopted alongside the planning commission uh, approval and uh, we, we can respond to this in in more detail but um, before closing i'll move on to uh, just touch on the housing accountability act uh, there is legislation that the state of california has a, that has adopted uh, which uh, limits the discretion that cities have in potentially denying projects um, based on um, potentially significant impacts uh, or substantial adverse effects on public health and safety, uh, or if it uh, does not comply with objective design standards. Um, in light of the substantial evidence and based on the findings, uh, staff recommends that the uh, appeal be denied and that the City Council affirm the Planning Commission's decision to uh, approve the project and thereby approving the project. And that concludes my presentation. I will ask a Council to hold your questions until we've heard all the other testimony. And at that point, Mr. Maloney, I'll invite you back uh, for any brief responsive comments you have. Okay. Uh, as indicated, the appellant from the action of the Planning Commission is Mr. Don 
Mess, Mr. Mess, uh, welcome, and we'll give you up to five minutes to supplement your letter. Tell us what you would like us to hear. Thank you. Good afternoon, Mayor and Council Members. Um, I live at the retreat directly across the street from this proposed development. Um, thank you for your time on this matter. We are opposed to this complex, and I'll explain why. Um, you've been provided copies with all of this. Uh, simply summarize the massive size of this project, 394 apartments on approximately 18 acres, leads to fair arguments that it is too environmentally significant to be approved with a mitigated negative impact report instead of an environmental impact report. CEQA has built-in preference for EIRs over MNDs. A full EIR is needed for a project if substantial evidence in the record supports fair argument that the project may have a significant environmental impact. The lead agency must prepare an EIR even if other substantial evidence before it indicates the project will have no significant effect. Uh, I cite for you Costa versus and Zizit, practice under California law, Environmental Quality Act. Um, see also Remy et al, Guide to California Environmental Quality Act. Under the fair argument standard, the decision makers are not asked to resolve conflicts in the evidence, but merely to determine whether substantial evidence exists to support a fair argument. As a non-lawyer, non I have tried to explain to the city officials and staff, but this response I get is that new state laws require cities to approve housing developments and thus this, our city to approve this project despite the fact that it needs an EIR instead of an ad, inadequate MND for that approval. Let me be clear on this. I'm not telling the city council to outright to reject this project. Instead, I'm urging the city to defer that decision until after city staff prepares an EIR for the project in order that the city council and our community can be fully informed of this massive project's potentially significant environmental impacts. Anything short of that would constitute negligence on the city council's part and expose the city to challenge under CEQA. Case law holds that the relevant personal observations of area residents on non-technical subjects may qualify as substantial evidence supporting a fair argument of an impact. I'm not gonna cite all these other cases here. But here, both local residents and experts proffer fair arguments supported by substantial evidence of potentially adverse environmental impacts arising from this project. Aesthetics. Aesthetics are subjective, but lay opinions can provide substantial evidence to support a fair argument that a project may have a significant aesthetic impact on the environment triggering the need to prepare an environmental impact pursuant to CEQA. And you have uh, Georgetown Preservation Society versus County of El Dorado as that case, and Protect Niles versus City of Fremont, both explained, when a dispute arises over a project's potential aesthetic impact, the proper document for analyzing those impacts is an EIR, not an MND. We were, with regard to lay opinions, many, many people drive, bicycle, and walk on Portola and Frank Sinatra. 
There's walking paths through this area that many residents and vis area visitors use on a daily basis. They utilize this path to enjoy the beautiful views that one is afforded along the path. This project would obliterate the views these people now enjoy, especially in winter months with the snow-capped snow mountains. If this project is approved, people walking as well as those driving the area would be subjected to viewing unattractive three-story buildings. Moreover, lighting the vast outdoor parking spaces as well as the apartment units themselves will have a negative impact on the community's dark sky initiative that residents and indigenous wildlife of Palm Desert rely on. Finally, this project does not fit in the community of single family homes and high-end townhomes. <clears throat> with, regard to, with regard to expedited pension, one sequestratus notes that substantial evidence relative to the agency's conclusions regarding the existence of a fair argument may come, perhaps similarly, from the lead agency itself, Guide to the California Environment Equality Act, 2007 edition. Uh, <clears throat> the agent improperly rejected staff comments as merely inferences that may be disregarded. The record here shows that that happened with ARC rejecting the project, and this in itself, sub substantial evidence supporting a fair argument that this project will significantly and adversely impact the environment. This project was reviewed by ARC on three different occasions, Twice it was sent back to the developer to make changes in design. On the third review, the ARC brought up concerns about the boxy nature of the 12 buildings along Frank Sinatra and Portola. The ARC was going to refer it back to the developer to make further changes or deny the project, but the developer requested a denial so they could move forward to the Planning Commission. This project should be denied based on the ARC position that the buildings are boxy and industrial looking. Other comments from ARC include, one, balconies should be better integrated in the architectural design, revisit the horizontal eyebrow element, revisit slope parapets, revisit and improve massing along street frontages to break down massing, create better hierarchy and variation. Five, create more interest through the use of one and two story elements that overlapped vertical sections of the building. Adding 600 plus vehicles to an already busy intersection of Portola and Frank Sinatra could produce additional congestion and potential traffic accidents. There is only one exit from the property on each street. Residents of the project, in my opinion, will use the exit to get them off the property the fastest. If they exit onto Portola, they will be traveling south. If they want to go in a different direction, they will have to make a U-turn at the Desert Willow Golf Academy, where the center divider terminates. There's a curve in the street at this point Making U-turn at this location could cause traffic accidents on a street that is already highly traveled. Moreover, I asked a professional traffic engineer to review the traffic report and the MND relied on, and he noted that it was lacking a key analysis. Madam Mayor? I, I'm okay. aware. Uh, Mr. Mass, we suggested five minutes. You are at seven minutes. Uh, do you want to, because you're reading uh, from the statement, and we took a 10-minute break so that we could study the statement, um, would you like to summarize? To, to summarize? Yes. Sure. 
In conclusion, the MND inadequately analyzed aesthetic, traffic, noise, and parking impacts resulting from this project and composed potential significant impacts to the existing area and environment of the neighborhood. Based on all my prior comments and the fact that the ARC denied the project based on its aesthetics, I'm urging the City Council to not approve this project until an EIR is prepared. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, for your detailed presentation. Um, and take a seat. We'll give you a chance to come back if anything was left out after all of the other speakers present. Thank you for letting me go over a little bit. Okay. Uh, would the applicant before the planning commission the developer wish to speak at this time is there uh, since mr mess took a little over seven minutes if you need that long you may take it or you may choose not to thank you honorable mayor and council members uh quick question though would you rather wait till after the rest of the public testimony before i speak or respond um, to any other comments that happen at that time that let's hear from you at this point and then we'll give you a brief chance to come back okay sounds good uh again thank you my name is cody dietrich i am the president of development and co-founder of hayes dietrich uh with me tonight i'm joined by richard shulman our land use attorney calvin hayes my partner and then mike Rowe and nicole van who are with msa who did the environmental consult consulting work uh the civil and landscape architecture and we also have Christine Picard on the line as our architect with ESG. Um, to summarize, kind of going back through Mr. Mess's comments, you know, we've looked through this um, several times and we provided several letters responding to these same comments in, our, in the record documentation. Um, what we're providing here is a highly amenitized resort style luxury apartment community that's very well needed in this area. The current vacancy in housing in this market is 1%, so there's really nowhere for people to go. Um, typically in the market, equilibrium is about 5%. So that means that we're probably a couple thousand apartments short just in this primary market area. Um, to address some of the concerns that we went through, um, starting with the aesthetics, again, Mr. Mess lays out that that's subjective. And with that, I would say that we worked with the Architecture Review Commission several times. We actually started out with a prairie style design at our first meeting with them in June. And at their request, which they are not necessarily supposed to do, they asked us to switch styles to modern style, which we did. We came back, got comments. The comments got to the point where they were fairly vague in the similar comments, but we were getting no real direction on how to proceed forward. So at that point, we uh, made this decision to be asked to continue forward, and that resulted in a denial to get to the next step of the planning commission. Um, and with that, we made more different uh, changes. We actually had our first intake meeting last year with staff in January, so we've been working on this for over a year with since staff. Um, and our original plans had some buildings that were running parallel with Portola. As part of increasing that aesthetic and creating these view corridors, we shifted our buildings to be perpendicular with Portola and took a building and moved it out to the back to create a 300-foot view corridor of the mountains to try to make sure that that view corridor was preserved and the aesthetics were there. Um, jumping on to... Um, there was a mention of the Dark Sky Initiative. Um, we have done a photometric study with all of our lights. Um, all of our lights are actually dark sky friendly and will be pointed downward. 
So um, that wasn't part of the record document of our response to the initial comments. Um, jumping down to, excuse me, I think I addressed the ARC traffic. Um, so we had our traffic study done. The traffic study was done in conjunction with a scoping document with both staff and an outside consultant um, that was retained by the city. Uh, that was then scoped out, and as the one claim makes that a VMT was not done, there's actually a report in the appendixes where we did a VMT screening. And because this area was already conducted for the county research and the impacts were already justified, it was determined that the VMT study was not needed as part of the overall traffic analysis. So that was reviewed and conducted by staff and the outside consultant. Um, in addition to additional traffic questions, I think that generally covers that piece. Um, noise and parking, to talk about the noise. Uh, so all residential housing in your code is limited to 55 decibels. Per the EIR done for the city's general plan, uh, the average decibels about 70 feet from the center line of Portola is 70 decibels. So we are underneath any noise that the traffic would create, and we are at the same restrictions for noise that any condos, single family homes, or anything like that would have. So um, there's really no difference there in noise. And then our parking is enough to meet the requirement, and we actually exceeded that because we had some tandem stalls in our underground parking structure. So as part of that, we had to go over the two to one. Um, in addition to all this, we had a parking analysis done uh, after the fact to submit with the city. And uh, the parking analysis showed that 1.8 to one would be appropriate for this site. So we actually have enough parking, we meet code and we are over parked to take on any guest parking. Typically in our buildings, we see about a 1.1, 1.15 per bedroom parking ratio to meet both the residents and the guests. And we have 589 bedrooms, so that would be 670, somewhere around there. And with this new parking ratio, we're actually about 1.4, just under. So we have ample parking for 200 guest cars, so almost half our property could have a guest vehicle there all at the same time. So not a concern. Um, to quick and close up, uh, you know, I want to thank staff again for all their hard work on this and working through the project. Um, and working through that piece, the initial study is conducted by staff and in partnership with them, they dictate what we did for the environmental review. And working together, we determined that the mitigated negative declaration was the right approach to this based off there being no actually significant impacts that couldn't be mitigated. And as part of that, um, the city of Palm Desert actually, since 2015, as far as I look back, has not done any EIRs except for a major general plan amendment at the University Park neighborhood and the Desert Surf Project because of the water resources that was taking and the University Park neighborhood being a, comp plan or a general plan amendment. Um, as part of that, there's a mitigated neg decks for 180, 180 acre master developments that have had over 1,000 units. And to go back to the overall general plan EIR, this site is guided for 40 units an acre. So when the general plan EIR was done, it was looking at this site as producing over 700 units. So all of that has been accounted for in previous documentation. And we were able to work that out with staff to further look into anything. So I'm happy to answer any further questions after others' testimony or if you guys have any questions. Thank you again. Thank you. Uh, we do have four requests to speak. And I'll 
ask each of the speakers uh, to stay within three minutes. Uh, first is Glenn Luther. Whoops, excuse me. Uh, I didn't understand a word of that. So I'm not an attorney, I'm not an engineer, I'm not a contractor, I'm not an architect, I'm not a professional person in that sense, although I'm an engineer, but you know, I couldn't understand it. And um, so what I would ask is, uh, as a, you know, I am a homeowner, and I have ears, and I have eyes, I can see, and I can tell you this, well, first of all, how many of you up here have actually been to our, our retreat development inside the gate? Show of hands. Good, one. Great. Two. Okay, two. Now, it's unfortunate because if you all had, you'd be better able to relate to what I'm going to ask you to do, which is. Yes, sir. Uh, Q&A <laughs> um, is really not permitted at this time. So just tell us what you want us to know. Well, you see that right there probably prevents me from making any accomplishment whatsoever. I wish I could just say what I had to say in my time. You know, I, uh, I, I think if you were there at our site, standing in our entranceway, which is, by the way, a single entryway and single exitway on Portola, you would be amazed how loud it is. And it can be heard inside the units that are all around that perimeter on Portola. So it's very loud. For, the impression I got was, hey, we're way down below whatever the decibel level is. It's very, very loud. And it took a long time to merge with traffic well before, uh, well before uh, rush hour to get out of our driveway to come to this meeting, which is a common occurrence. So you, you have 816 parking spaces, so one could presume there might be that many cars at some point. It's more akin to what I would call an event. We have events in the general area, and they usually have large numbers of cars coming and going for that event. And there's police out there. There's people that work there governing traffic and what have you. Can you imagine standing at your driveway, and you've got an event going on every day, every day right across from you? It's absolutely absurd. Clearly, there's a very rigorous process that underlies this decision-making. I wouldn't have a clue. It seems very Byzantine to me, and I, would, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't venture to know what, how good a process is. But I would think at the end of the day, a process that delivers an outcome that people can relate to, that's logical, and meets the criteria that Evan talked about at the opening of the meeting of serving the people. I don't know who this serves. It serves some developers, I understand that, and it serves many, many attorneys and others. It does not serve us. Now, in terms of weighting uh, impacts, I think the people that are residents who went in there and bought that property at a time when the zoning was different across the street, and they evaluated that, and they put almost, who knows, some people might put all of their money into to owning one of these beautiful places, okay? They should have more value in terms of impact assessment than someone who might not buy a home that's never been built. Is there even, a, is there even an impact there, right? So I don't think there's enough, enough, uh, enough judgment being brought to bear for the impact on 112 residences that are there and hear and see 
you can actually see, you would actually be able to see down from a balcony into, into some of these units. So you've got 112 people that aren't being served, that are very upset, and now we're looking at little crossing T's and dotting I's that sort of baby steps get you to some outcome that's really good for the developers, but it's not logical in our opinion. It doesn't make Mr. any sense Lutzer, at all. That's all I have to say. I extended time since I interrupted you. Uh, so, thank you. Yeah, I sense that too. Have a good day. All right. Uh, next is Steve uh, Blank. Do I have that correct? <laughs> uh, thank Welcome. you, uh, Honorable uh, Mayor and uh, Council Members. Really appreciate your time. Uh, I got up at 2.30 and, and traveled to Newark, New Jersey to get on an airplane to get back here to speak with you tonight. Uh, Forty years ago, I got my first taste of Coachella Valley. We were living, my wife and I, Janet, who's here, uh, live in Minneapolis, and I won a sales award. And I came here in March, and it was beautiful. We fell in love with the place and have been coming back here ever since. Uh, four children, nine grandchildren. We stay mostly at the Marriott properties around here. They're just gorgeous. That part of Palm Desert is wonderful. We've enjoyed it, and, and the resorts are beautiful. Two golf courses uh, that the city has is just amazing. And uh, when they first started offering the uh, retreat at Desert Willow uh, condos, we went up and we said, someday we're gonna own this. Someday this will be our retirement community, so, where, we, where we will live. And fortunately, last spring, we finally bought one. And uh, so it's wonderful, and uh, wonderful neighbors. Uh, I promise you it'll be three minutes. I'm, I'm doing all right so far. But uh, when, we, uh, when we look at the design of what we have across the street, I, I saw the, the wonderful design on the uh, visitor center, just gorgeous, flowing, desert, like the mural back here. And then I saw another thing that popped up before the meeting. It said, uh, Palm Desert making a charming community. I think that that must be one of the, the logos. This development that is being built is not charming. The three-story design, the boxiness of it, the exterior stairwells, I've had on my list 670 parking spots. There's 819 that are in that little space. To me, it's more of a vibe of an economy motel. And uh, I don't think that sits well with the mural behind it. Uh, it certainly isn't Frank Sinatra cool uh, as we look at this. Uh, we know that something's going to go over there, and we know it's likely to be residential. Understand the needs of communities, not just the communities at our socioeconomic level. But there's got to be a, a better design. And I, as we were driving over here, just a little bit down Portel is an outfit called Bella Viaggio. Just a gorgeous development. It looks like it's been built in the last five years. Obviously, you went through all the planning process, the architectural uh, review board, I bet they approved it. It's gorgeous. There's no exterior stairwells. It's two stories, not three. That is a towering complex. It's going to be in the middle of gorgeous resorts and gorgeous homes. And I ask you uh, tonight, today, I guess it's dark, to uh, consider this, uh, this uh, motion or this uh, move to to have this be reviewed once again by the Architectural Review Committee for a fourth time so that they can help this be a better suited in our neighborhood. Thank you. Right on three minutes. Uh, Cindy Rankwhite. 
Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, I'm here tonight to ask you to reconsider your recommendation to approve this project. Please put yourself in my shoes. Okay, I bought into the retreat in 2019. I understand that the code changed to allow three stories when the retreat was being built, so I did not have a chance to comment on that. I'm one of over 200 people who live at the retreat. Um, so the code was changed. Um, the issue, as the, my neighbor who just spoke said, is really the design. It's not that something is being built there. It's three stories, okay? And what you're doing to me is you're taking away that beautiful mountain view from me, okay? Which is one of the reasons why I bought at the, at the retreat. My husband and I, my husband, Marshall, who's here, and I rented out in the desert for 11 years before we purchased. We come from Connecticut, and Connecticut's also very pretty. But there's something very peaceful about those mountains and something very beautiful about them. You're taking away the pink sunrises on the mountains for me. You're taking away the snow-capped mountains. And I think, you, I think that the impact on the people at the retreat should be taken into consideration. Okay, I'm not going to speak for three minutes. Just put yourself in my shoes, please, and reconsider your decision. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, not sure of the printing, Mark Shabashu. <laughs> Shabashu, I was pretty close. This is my second time. You're going to have to get used to that one. So I, just uh, on my way over here, pulled out of the retreat, had to make a left, you know, U-turn on Portola, you know, uh, on Frank Sinatra coming to Portola. I had to wait three lights just to kind of talk about traffic. I know the traffic survey or whatever was done was probably during COVID. Things have changed. The amount of houses that people have moved into on Portola and the Encanto project that is coming up, Portola and Frank Sinatra are crazy right now. It's way, way, way different, and it is not safe. There's people are going 70, 80 miles an hour down that street, and that's why we hear loudness. Um, I would think like a, a, a recommendation for me would be that the, uh, you get an independent company to determine, instead of the city, whether EIR is uh, needed, um, as well as a, a new traffic study done during times where we're out of COVID, we're back. Uh, with, with normal traffic situations. I came to the last city planning meeting and it was my opinion that the city planner and the attorney failed to educate the planning commission on all aspects of the new Affordable Housing Act. I saw for myself the city planning commission members looking like deer in the headlights when they really didn't understand why the developer was asking the architectural committee to deny their application. When in fact, when the, the uh, city planners asked that to the developer, the de developer admitted, because I knew you it didn't matter. You, there's nothing that you could do because this project has been an, approved. I think you need to look at different in the future 
different developments for affordable housing that before you let it get to a certain point where you can't stop the train, you need to have architectural committee look at things like that. What I'm gonna talk about in the last 50 seconds is that safety. Safety is one of the big issues that maybe could pre prevent this project. There's seven houses on Frank Sinatra. There's a three-story apartment complex. That apartment complex looks into the backyard and the living rooms of those seven houses. Now, if you don't think that's a safety issue, and I, I sat here hearing the developers say, oh, well, we can put bushes up to help block that. Well, what the heck are you talking about? How are you allowing three-story apartment complex that is gonna evade somebody's privacy? I mean, if I lived there, you know, I'd be looking at getting my own attorney to say what are my rights and my safety rights. So I got two seconds over, that's all I can say. Thank you, sir. Uh, Mr. Mess, uh, is there anything you need to add? M Madam Mayor, I do have a, a Zoom comment. Uh, please elevate that person. Edith Taylor, uh, you are live with the City Council and you have three minutes to provide your comments. Thank you. Um, I'm in that seven residence that is across from uh, Frank Sinatra that has been completely ignored tonight. I noticed that you spoke about the retreat to the east, the other area from the, to the west, and no mention has been made of the, uh, the houses, the Pele development that will be affected because we'll not only lose our views, we'll also lose our privacy. So I want, uh, we've had this discussion before. Um, I, I want you to consider, and as I've spoken with the uh, developer also, that we're concerned because there's nothing we can do about our backyards. Back, basically it's our backyards. But our backyards are used with children and, and families, uh, people who want to use pools. You know, there are pools back there. And, and what you're going to have is you're going to have three three-story buildings looking down into our backyards. So whereas everybody else is concerned about the views, oh, certainly we're concerned about the views, but we're more concerned about our loss of privacy. So uh, at one time, there was some discussion about some trees and things being put up to try to help that. I just don't know that that's really going to, to, to really help us. Uh, so when you make these decisions, I, I want you to consider that, certainly. I bought my property in 2009. And obviously we knew that that, that uh, land across was going to be developed. There's been development all around us, but nothing will affect us as adversely as the three three-story buildings that have balconies that look into our backyards. So consider that. I mean, we're, we're small, but we're just as important as all the other developments around us. Thank you very much for your time. And Madam Mayor, we have one more. One more. Mr. Jeff Cameron, you're live with the City Council and you have three minutes to provide your comments. 
if you could unmute yourself. Thank you. Hello, uh, Jeff Cameron, 2601 Retreat Circle. I just want to support all of my neighbors at Retreat Circle. Don et al., you've done a great job. I'm really, really proud of you. We support you. Um, and also the folks across the street of Frank Sinatra. Um, this project is just not suitable as designed. I support everything that's been said. There's nobody in the community that I've heard tonight that supports this project. Please consider us as indicated by your council at the opening of your meeting. Thank you. Madam Mayor, there's no other public comment in the Zoom room. Anyone else present who wishes to speak? Uh, Mr. Mez, do you need an additional moment to cover anything? Yeah, I just want to emphasize um, the ARC reviewed this project for the third time and they were raised their concerns and they're getting ready to uh, deny it. The developer said, please deny this so I can move on to the Planning Commission. So what he has succeeded in doing is bypassing all of the five concerns that I pointed out that the ARC was going to deny or send it back to them for further modifications. So he succeeded in bypassing that so he could get his approval. Thank you. Thank you. Let me invite uh, the developer to make any concluding comments you might to have. Yeah, would I, just to answer a couple of the comments more so is my thing, could I give you a flash drive to pull up a couple items or I don't, is that okay? Yes. Okay. Thank you again, Honorable Mayor and Council Members. Uh, we'll wait for the clerk to, to pull that up. Or I can answer a few things while he's doing that. So just to uh, address a few of the things, and you know, so this pro this parcel was actually zoned or guided in 2016 and zoned in 2017 while the retreat was under construction. So there is some uh, contradictions in when timing happened and when the retreat purchased their properties. Um, wanting to go through kind of the view corridor exhibits. So again, I earlier mentioned that early on in the process, we had buildings that were parallel with Portola and looking through that and talking with staff, getting some of their original feedback, 
we really thought, how can we make the project better and provide view corridors? So this is what we came back with last June. Um, basically, there's about 110 to 120 foot view corridor through each, in between each building on Portola. Um, so all the buildings at the retreat that face towards the mountains are actually still getting views. And then some of the homes basically to the west are getting views. And then Edith Taylor, who spoke, that's her home with the one single one getting views to the south. Um, she is correct that uh, the other ones will be losing some of their views, but she, uh, her home will have a little bit of a view. Could you flip to the next slide, please? So as part of our revisions we made, um, we lost a couple of units, took out a stack, and we shifted that one building back over from where that, op the third building in, I should say, from the left. We pushed that to the back, and we really opened up that view corridor. So that's over 310 feet now to allow for the neighbors to see through there any passing cars. Um, we were originally thinking about putting a park there, took that out because uh, just to make sure the parking was adequate and up to code. So realistically, we we're really pushing to allow for those view corridors to really help benefit that. And that was, you know, our mitigation measures. The site is a very unique site, isn't it? It's a piece of pie shaped. Um, the one other thing I want to make mention of is that that building to the right of the, the pool is a single building with elevators that has 109 units in it. It actually has underground parking. To be creative on the site to actually make it work and make the density work and bring some new amenities to a development here in Palm Desert, we provided underground parking and elevators that'll serve that building. And this is the first building with either of those for general occupancy uh, apartments, not counting senior living. So that building serves over 25% of the overall community and provides a different option for seniors or whoever wants to live in that project. Um, you wanna go to the next slide? Uh, this is just to show uh, Avenida, which is about a mile south on Portola. This is a one and a half to two story building that is fully connected. And this you can see is blocking the views of the mountains. So no matter what size building you build there, anything one and a half, two stories is gonna block the mountain views. So we were able to accomplish mitigating that by adding those view corridors back in. Could you please go to the next slide? Uh, and then to talk about kind of the same thing in the privacy, so we are across an arterial street from our neighbors on both Frank Sinatra and Portola. Um, the buildings are 230 feet away from the homes on the retreat, and we are approximately 200 feet away from the homes on Frank Sinatra. So this just shows that. And then we add that dash line to really just show there's not really a difference in views to the neighbors from a two or a third story level. It's a three degree difference, which is very minimal. And if you see where the view takes you to, it's the exact same spot on the second or third floor because it is so far away. Could you please go to the next slide? Um, in addition, to answer some of the privacy comments, we went out and we had a drone take some photos of what this looks like and from different spots in the building. So in the bottom right, you see a key. So this is looking at from the corner unit on that building closest to Portola. And this is a view from the third floor. Um, so this is if you're sitting on your third floor balcony, we looked at our grading plan, set the drone at the height to sit at 25 feet as if you're sitting on your third floor balcony. Our buildings, the actual buildings are 33 to 37 feet tall. The, port, um, the retreat is about 30 foot and a half, six inches tall to their parapets. And our, um, the base of the floor on the third level starts at 21 feet. And there starts at about, I think, 17 or 18 feet on level two. Um, could you go to the next slide, please? 
This is another view to the uh, north of our primary entrance, again, looking at the retreat, similar style. And I just also want to point out, too, you see their heavy landscaping. We really are appreciative of what they're doing there, and we will be replicating that on our side, too, to provide a heavy, aesthetic, a pleasing uh, landscaping package along the street-fronted sidewalks that are meandering, all of that. Uh, next slide, please. And then we did the same thing, too, from the three buildings looking across towards Edith Taylor's home and the rest of the homes on Frank Sinatra. So again, this is sitting on the third floor. You can see that you can't see into their backyards. Um, they have six-foot walls there. And, and the part of adding some landscaping there is more so for aesthetically helping them so in case they don't want to look at our buildings is really what the intent there was. So we did agree to add some landscaping along that frontage and work that in as a condition of the Planning Commission. So we're happy to help with that. Um, but really, you know, I think that, that piece is a little bit overblown. Um, to address the traffic study concerns, excuse me, um, traffic study was noted to be done during COVID. That's actually inaccurate. The traffic study analysis was done about a year ago in January and February, and that report is dated as of March and was included in our June submittal. Um, since we submitted our full entitlement package about eight months ago and started this actual process. Um, and as part of that, too, we included other developments such as Catino over in Rancho Mirage and all of the stuff that is currently built, all the stuff that was in the current queue for construction, all the things that were in the queue for applications, and actually some projects that had been brought to staff but actually hadn't had real applications submitted yet. So all of those were included in the traffic study and taken into account. Um, I think that generally uh, answers all of their questions, and we'll let that go from there. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Mr. Maloney, let me invite you back uh, for any final remarks you have, and then we can take council questions. Uh, yes, yeah, so we've had a, an opportunity to go through the letter. I'll try to be brief as the applicant has touched on many of those items so I can affirm uh, many of those items to be correct. Uh, with regard to aesthetic, the letter touches on three general topics, the first being height. Uh, the project is in conformance with the allowable height. Uh, it, uh, the uh, appellant also points out potential impacts on glare. The project is conditioned to provide a final photometric plan, which will be uh, reviewed for compliance with the city's outdoor lighting ordinance, um, uh, chapter 24.16, which limits height, requires full cutoff fixtures, and so on. And then with respect to uh, the ARC denial, uh, the city does not have uh, objective design standards, which uh, would be required for a housing development of this type. Um, I will leave the traffic comments uh, open-ended for a response by uh, the city's uh, traffic engineer. And then moving on to the uh, concerns regarding noise and parking. Uh, the mitigated negative declaration did, did uh, analyze noise impacts and found that there would be no impacts. Uh, it relies on analysis provided by the Palm Desert General Plan which identifies that the primary noise sources within the city of Palm Desert are roadway noise. In this case, it would be from both Frank Sinatra and Portola Avenue. The project would, uh, it, it is consistent with the zoning, so it is not anticipated to create any noise uh, impacts other than intermittent mobile 
uh, noise sources such as from maintenance and so on. Uh, with respect to parking, the project complies with the minimum parking requirement. Um, it is uh, approved as a residential facility and uh, will not facilitate events which would require overflow parking as it does satisfy the minimum parking. And that's the extent of my response to that. All right, before I close the public hearing, let me see if council, just stay there, Mr. Maloney. Let me see if council have questions. We want to refrain uh, from deliberation until I close the public hearing. Uh, but any questions for Mr. Maloney? Yes. Most of my questions were answered. So uh, the city is going to be adopting objective standards, correct? Uh, we're in preliminary stages for the discussion, but we will. Uh... Right. So part of the issue has been our standards have been subjective, and the ARC committee, not at, to any fault of their own, had been using subjective standards, correct, which are uh, not in compliance with, with state law. Would that be correct? Correct. And therefore, the, the developer um, is acting within the, the law in terms of um, objective standards that the city will be using. Correct. Thank you. Any other questions? Yes, Councilmember Harnick. I have a really basic one. Does this project have a name? It doesn't have a name? Okay. And do I, I think I remember reading, and I think I've heard it's characterized as luxury apartments. Oh, highly amenitized. Um, oh, you, you said something about some kind of stalls, and I didn't understand what you said. Uh, the subterranean parking stalls, what were they? They're called tandem stalls, so we have just a select few, basically, where you can park your, you know, your Ferrari in the front, whatever it is, and then park a car behind and oh, then switch see. them out. So, okay. So due to the code, tandem. we had to add additional stalls to the site. Okay. Thank you. Um, I did have some concern. I have one more question about we talked about the lighting and the impact on the and on uh, dark skies, and I saw the lower ones and I I read through here uh, on those and the ones that were twelve feet tall. How well are they mitigated at that the ambient light that might go up that might interfere with dark skies? I mean the lower ones I get they're they seem like they had good hoods on them that would direct the light down, but the 12 foot ones are the ones I had questions on. So we, to do the photometric study, we work with a lighting consultant who does this. Okay. So as part of that, I'm not perfectly versed on this, but uh, so they are all straight downward facing, and the way I understand it is they have kind of a shield around it to limit the projection down, but the dark sky is more concerned with light going up. Right. So everything is going down, and these are actually dark sky friendly fixtures. They're okay. certified that way. Okay. Those are... And is there solar on these on this development? Uh, not at this time. Everything is roughed in and planned for if we want to add solar in the future, but at this time it's not on there. 
Okay, those are my questions for now. Yes, Councilmember Troopy. Thank you. Um, Nick, you, if you go back to one of the earliest slides you presented um, regarding setbacks, um, it looked as though code would allow them to have no setback if they want it. Yeah, if, if we could go, I think it's a... Uh... This is the slide. So the PR 22 zone shows front, rear, side setbacks legally could be zero. That's correct. The planned residential zone currently doesn't establish any setbacks for front, rear, side. It, uh, those setbacks are determined through the uh, precise plan process with respect to tentative track maps. Uh, there is a perimeter setback minimum of 20 feet. Uh, and that would be applied to the Frank Sinatra and Portola frontages, and the uh, project does comply with that. Okay, so this is adding a, this project adds an additional twenty to that, uh, or in, twenty in to certain 46. portions. Okay, uh, it's a range with a minimum of twenty feet, as they're showing on uh, some of the units that front on Frank Sinatra, up to as much as forty-six for certain buildings. Cool. So if this project, for whatever reason, didn't get built, another developer could conceivably come in here and within their legal right build something with zero setbacks in the future. Along interior property lines, there are, there are other well, um, uh, like I state legal codes. Yeah, okay. But, yeah. Got it. Okay, thank you, Nick. Uh, could you please leave your slides up in case we wish to have reference uh, during the discussion? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, thank you so much uh, to, to staff and to all of our residents that expressed their, their concerns. In looking at the slide that was taken from the aerial view with the drone, which I think is incredible to give actual perspective, the comment was made that um, trees or landscape would be uh, potentially added in order to not only provide more privacy, but in order to protect residents from viewing that. Is there a projected number of trees per se that would be allotted? How many of those would be there um, and how would those determinations be made a preliminary landscape plan was provided for the project which identifies the specific location tree type uh, minimum size at time of planting and then total number uh, the final construction landscape plans would return for review by staff and would need to uh, com comply with that minimum thank you please I heard something, and I just want to make sure that everybody is understanding this is not affordable housing by the state definition of affordable housing, because I heard people refer to it as affordable housing, and I want to make sure that we all understand that what this is, what type of housing this is. There is no affordable housing in this project. It would be 100% market rate driven by the market. Okay, and are there going to be charging stations for cars at this location? I think yes, there will be. Okay. The public hearing is closed. Uh, who is? Yes, please. Nick, were you going to have the traffic engineer add something? Um, he, he could provide a response to any traffic uh, comments or questions that you may have uh, that were raised during. Okay, but that's fine if 
I thought you it kind of teed it up to defer some of that to him, and I just wanted to make sure. Let's whatever. Sit, let's see. Well, I gave counsel a full chance to ask their questions. They didn't go there, so let's leave it alone. Uh, discussion. I'll start it. I would say. Uh, Councilmember Truby, your, your opening statement about how we represent and work for the people does ring true. And so I can't speak for everybody, but I can speak for myself, is that we have to represent all our residents, everyone. And we have to think of the residents that also might be moving into this apartment complex, market rate apartment complex. We need to keep in mind those people as well. There are, they will be our future residents as well, and the whole community at large. And so I take my job here very seriously, and I try to take the community as a whole to come up with the best decision. Next. I echo the sentiment that we are here to serve all people, including those that may be looking to expand. We have to consider we have a lot of young people that had to move back into their parents' homes during the pandemic that may want to start families and want to be outside of, of their current situation. I've had many conversations with, with teachers and educators, um, for example, at Cal State, and as we're looking to grow our Cal State Palm Desert, we need to have housing available for teachers and faculty as well. And the I've heard concerns, as, as um, Councilmember Harnick mentioned, that some residents were fearful that this would be uh, Section 8 housing, and now that we have confirmed that that is not the case, they're fully market rate, um, and that these are luxury apartments. I hope that we can take into account the larger picture. When we look at the regional housing needs assessment, Palm Desert is actually fairly ahead of the curve when we look at the rest of, of the region. And we are a fast-growing city. The Inland Empire is one of the fastest-growing regions, not only in the state, but in the country. And when we also talk about the challenges to our homeless population, we recently saw the point in, in time count. We also need to prevent other families from losing their home. So if we have people currently in apartments that want to move into other ones, that would allow more apartments to be available. So we have to protect the housing stock for those that are already here that are seeking additional options. Thank you. Councilmember Troop E. Um, yeah, a couple things. Um, I thought when we were going through this process, this was seven to four. 40 per acre according to the general plan. Now it looks like this actually falls within a, a zone that is 22 maximum, is that right? Yes. Okay, so I just want to clarify that I'm looking at the right thing here. Um, I've always been a fan of sight lines. I love mountain views in this valley. The, if I'm correct though, if I can refer to Bob here, city, uh, sorry, state law sort of supersedes some of the things we can do here, is that correct? Or is there some, um, sort of consideration that should be given to that. No, that is correct. Um, as everyone knows, the state is facing a housing crisis, and our good friends in Sacramento have reacted more and more stridently year after year, kind of 
constraining what the city can and cannot do. It used to be that the city had pretty wide discretion, and over the last few years, that discretion has been yeah, severely limited to the point now where, and you've heard it said, that if the project meets the objective city standards, the city basically has no discretion. Um, and that's the, been the determination in this case. The Planning Commission determined that the project did meet the objective standards, so there's really no discretion that really can be exercised. And to kind of close the loop on CEQA, I've had our CEQA uh, experts review the letter, and they don't believe that it would serve as a basis for a challenge under CEQA, number one. Number two is what they're saying is, given the very limited or the non-existence essentially discretion that the city could exercise in this case, CEQA basically becomes irrelevant because CEQA is intended to guide an exercise of discretion. If there's no discretion, there's really no need for CEQA. So number one, we believe the CEQA does comply that the MMD is sufficient. And number two, that even if we didn't do an MMD, we'd probably be all right under these circumstances. Thank you. Perfect. That uh, just wanted to hear from the city attorney. And Councilmember Harnick. Thank you. Um, you know, I have another question that I thought of. Uh, being that you have Canon Management, that who will be managing it? Is that accurate? Or who who's going to manage this? Is are they considering? Uh, welcoming STRs into that development? So will there be something written into the CCNRs or whatever it is you, Nick, yes. please address yes, please. that. The city's STR ordinance currently prohibits the issuance of short-term rentals in any apartment units. Uh, this is an apartment development and therefore would not be permitted. Uh, so no apartments? Yeah, the city ordinance okay. um, forbids it. So this is one of those times, one of those decisions that we are tasked to make that not everyone's going to be happy. There's no question about this. Um, I look at these, and they are characterized as lux luxury, highly amenitized apartments, and yet they have open stairways and uncovered parking, which to me does not characterize luxury. Um, I see the developer has done work to create view corridors, turned buildings from parallel to perpendicular. These are big changes they've made. They have listened. Uh, I understand the objection to the massing. It is, um, it, it doesn't to me look like the character of the city of Palm Desert. It doesn't. But we have our hands tied, and I'm going to tell you that not everybody's going to be happy with this decision. There's no question. And it's very difficult when Sacramento takes our discretion away from us in, in moments like this, in decisions like this. Uh, it would be nice if perhaps some of the massing could be, you know, there could be a little bit more uh, finesse applied to that massing so that it had a little more elegance to it, certainly that would be characterized, um, what I would think would be a, a Palm Desert sort of standard. 
We do need more housing. There is going to be more and more uh, traffic on our streets. We know that. We can't deny it. I mean, we, you know, there were all those people who rallied. They wanted that arena. They wanted to bring 11,000 people a night into our community. And we have those empty places, the acres upon acres around our CSU that we will have homes because we do want a vibrant four-year university here that will benefit the entire region. So there is going to be more, tra more traffic, and hopefully we can find more and more ways to mitigate the issues that, are, that will be created by more cars. The fact is, Riverside is the fastest growing county in California. And one of the fastest, that I think it's the fourth fastest growing in the United States. So we're seeing people come here. Are we going to have places for them? Uh, are we going to have places for our, uh, the people who contribute so much to our community, our teachers, nurses, firefighters, our public safety? Are we going to have places for them? So this is one of those difficult times that we have to make a decision that's not going to make everybody happy. I would hope that we can do a little um, work on these to really create a more elegant line to them. Uh, you may have already dug your heels in on that, maybe not, uh, but this is something we have to go forward with. So uh, I understand there's the feelings that I've heard on both sides tonight, and this is a, one of those difficult times that we, we are tasked to make a decision, and that's our job here. So we want to do our very best to work what we have to deal with from the city's perspective, from our community members' perspective, and we have to do that based on what Sacramento has, the direction Sacramento has given us. So that's where we are tonight. Thank you. All right, let me offer some brief comments before I ask for a motion. And Mr. Maloney, there is one of your slides I'd like to put up. Um, it's the picture of the entrance. I think it's a picture, a single picture that takes the full screen. Yes, that's it. So, if you're counting noses, it certainly sounds uh, like the action of the Planning Commission is about to be confirmed. To all of you from the retreat who have spoken, don't leave here discouraged. Your participation made a difference. It made a huge difference. The outcome is not going to be the outcome you would have written, but it's going to be substantially better 
from your perspective than it would have been had you not participated. Because the designs for this project uh, started with the facilities positioned uh, parallel to Portola across the street, uh, substantially impacting view corridors. As a result of your participation, uh, the position of those buildings was shifted to put their short sides instead of their long sides directly across from you and to push back common facilities to create this gap, uh, leaving space to appreciate the mountains. Those were accomplishments of participating in this process. And the city appreciates, deeply appreciates, the time you put into this. It has made the project better. Who supports the project? Not just the almost 400 people who will receive a place to live. The project will also be appreciated by our current residents in market rate apartments. We are hearing from them with increasing frequency that their rents are going up astronomically because of demand. And some people with good jobs are being priced out of apartments they've lived in for as long as 10 years. Uh, so as Councilmember Nestante pointed out, we have a variety of residents to serve. And moving forward with this project, improved as a function of your input, will help to serve all those people I've just described. So while I expect you to be disappointed, I hope uh, you can be grateful for those positive attributes of the outcome. Uh, with that, given the comments I've heard, is there someone who wishes to uh, accept the recommended outcome? We'll move approval of the agenda item as presented uh, by the staff and its recommendation. I second the motion. Please vote. Motion passes five to zero. That is our last item for this evening, so we are adjourned. <laughs>